So the story of Jacob wrestling with God, demanding a blessing and then receiving it, is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. The wrestling match by itself is one of those Bible stories that just about everybody can understand. Struggling with faith, struggling with God, but still at the end of the day being blessed by God. It's a story that when read by itself makes a pretty good Sunday school lesson, a lesson that practically writes itself. I remember leading confirmation and teaching on this particular story. I had the confirmands write their fears and doubts about life and faith on pieces of paper. They would fold those pieces of paper up, put them in a basket, and then I would take the basket and one at a time take the fear or doubt out, read it aloud, and then pin it to one student with a safety pin. When I was done with that, I would take a Lucha Libre mask, a mask a Mexican professional wrestler would wear, and put it on the student with all of the fears and doubts pinned to them. That student would then wrestle God. Well, it would be another student with another Lucha Libre mask. But the point was that no matter your past, because let's be honest, Jacob had a past. Whatever your fears, whatever your doubts, God will still bless you. The winner would then give a benediction for the class at the end of our time together and would also receive a wrestling championship belt to strut around the church with for the rest of the week. That's just part of Jacob's story, but it's not the whole story. The beauty of our Bible is that there is always more to the story. The story of Noah did not end with a rainbow in the sky. In the New Testament, the story of Saul does not end with him being the greatest persecutor of the early church. The story of Jacob wrestling with God and receiving a blessing is just the middle of Jacob's story. It's not the beginning and it's not the end. Jacob's entire appearance throughout Genesis is a story of blessings. He was born in chapter 25, and he comes into the world gripping the ankle of his older brother Esau. His story continues in chapter 27 as he steals from his father, steals a blessing that was intended for his older brother. And there was no accident about this. Jacob and his mother deliberately masked his appearance, duping Isaac into giving Jacob what was due to Esau. Let people serve you, and the nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. A blessing. Next, in fear, Jacob flees to save his own life because Esau was pretty upset about what happened. But in the process of fleeing, he was given land to live on so he wouldn't have to face the wrath of his older brother. Life, a place to live, safety. That's a blessing. Jacob marries two sisters, Leah and Rachel. They have children, and he begins to prosper. More blessings. Not content with wives and children, Jacob steals from his father-in-law, Laban. 
And because of this, Laban intended to do him great harm, but God spoke to Laban, protecting Jacob. Another blessing. Next, our scripture reading from this morning, Jacob wrestling with God and receiving a blessing. Esau and Jacob finally reconcile, and Jacob arrives safely in Cana. A blessing. Ultimately, Jacob was blessed yet again when he returns to Bethel. God said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall you be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he was called Israel. He'd already forgotten that he had been named Israel once before. God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall spring from you. The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you. I will give the land to your offspring after you. Jacob's entire time in the book of Genesis is a story of one blessing after the other. But up until that final blessing that he received at Bethel, Jacob was never satisfied with what he had been blessed with. I would be lying to all of you this morning if I told you I wasn't shaking in my Converse sneakers right now. Our sermon series is stopping this morning at a interesting spot. When the series was planned and we had all of the different sayings on the whiteboard in L3, we neatly organized all of those sayings on a calendar. And I looked at my planner and I realized Pastor Ed had taken this Sunday off. Pastor Ed is a very smart man. Because this week's saying, God bless America, said Jesus never, is loaded. It's loaded with anxiety on my part, and it's loaded with anxiety on your part. If the preacher is not careful, they can run the risk of coming off as unpatriotic and ungrateful to be living in a nation where a person like me can do what I do week after week without fear of physical harm coming to them. But the phrase, God bless America and its frequent use requires us to consider what it actually means and how it is used. Like many of you, I have heard the phrase said in three places. One, church, usually in a hymn on or around the 4th of July. Number two, as an intermission to a baseball game. And number three, as a benediction to a political speech. The hymn was written in 1918 and then later revised in 1938. That's World War I and World War II. The author is Irving Berlin. The baseball intermission began during the Vietnam War, faded away, and then after the attacks on September 11, 2001, became a mainstay in every major league baseball stadium. It has been sung during hockey games and football games. Obviously, it is sung at NASCAR races, and it's even been sung at the Indianapolis 500. In 2008, during a Red Sox-Yankees postseason game, a Red Sox fan was forcibly removed from Yankee Stadium by the New York City Police Department for attempting to move from his seat to the aisle to go to the bathroom. 
while the song was being performed. The political benediction was first used in 1973 by Richard Nixon. Before that, no major political speech had used the phrase. Beginning in the 1980s and continuing to to this day, one out of three major political speeches uses the benediction. Authors David Domke and Kevin Coe argue that in our modern-day political climate, the phrase helps politicians to pass the God and country test. Next time you're at a Nationals game or you're enduring a political speech, more than likely you will be part of an intermission or receive a benediction that most people do not think twice about. Well, until they don't hear it. More often than not, the phrase is used in a cavalier manner. I don't doubt the sincerity of the hymn when it is sung, and I'm not doubting the sincerity of genuine prayer, whether that's corporate prayer or individual prayer. The problem with the phrase, God bless America, arises when it is used without acknowledging the blessings that God has already given America. Hasn't God already blessed us? We have an adequate food supply and access to clean drinking water. And if you don't like the Arlington County drinking water, you can have bottled water delivered to your doorstep. On the other side of the world, young girls are unable to get an education, usually past third grade, because they are the ones that are sent to walk five, seven, ten miles, one way, to get clean water and return home with it for their families. We have access to world-class medical care that places our infant mortality rate at less than seven per 1,000 births. If you're doing the math, that's less than 1%, while nations like Sierra Leone and Angola are above 150 births per 1,000. That's at least 15%. From a global perspective, 88% of the United States is considered upper, upper middle class, or high income, while 71% of the world is considered low income or poor. We have the military might and national infrastructure that is second to none. We have hit all of the criteria to be considered blessed that was laid out by, Karen, by theologian Karen Armstrong. She wrote a book called In the Beginning. It's an interpretation on the book of Genesis. Many of you in this church have studied it this past year. America has been blessed with fertility, wealth, success, and might. We are blessed, and yet the expected benediction continues on as if these are things that we are still waiting for. Jacob lived a blessed life, regardless of how he obtained it. He stole a blessing belonging to someone else, and the wealth and station that came with it He demanded and he received a blessing from God. He was blessed with a family, and still he wasn't happy. He had those outer markings, fertility, wealth, success, and might. But he wrestled with the acknowledgement of those blessings because he lacked inner harmony. Divine harmony and power should have radiated off of Jacob, touching everything and everyone that he came into contact with. But instead, he continued to wrestle. 
He had not realized the fullness of God's blessing on him, and because of that, he lived with inner turmoil, the unresolved inner conflict from stealing a blessing from his brother. Any kind of blessing, whether it's saying God bless you after someone sneezes, receiving the benediction after a worship service, or a blessing given to you by God without asking for it. Those are all intimate moments. The intimacy of receiving and giving a blessing requires two things, a physical experience and a spiritual experience. Blessings initiate a physical change to the circumstance of your life, along with a transforming spiritual encounter, both of which require intimacy on both parts. Jacob had both of those experiences wrestling with God, but they didn't last. Yes, he had a physical change. He literally had his hip put out of place, and he was safe from harm, but the spiritual experience didn't last. God had to remind him again that his name had been changed. We don't read about him recalling that encounter with awe and wonder, but instead Jacob continues to ignore the blessing he received and continues on his path of deceit and not living into the fullness of what he had been given. And because blessing does not equal entitlement or immunity to suffering, the spiritual side of acknowledging and receiving the blessing given to him was ignored. God's blessing is not something for us to take lightly. Evoking God's name in any circumstance should be done with thought. It cannot be done in a cavalier way or without actually meaning what you are saying. Jewish mystics believe that the letters of the Hebrew alphabet are powerful, the letters themselves, and that they can affect the divine. The Hebrew name for God, Yahweh, is particularly powerful and not to be taken lightly. When Jews write or print God's name on a piece of paper, they believe that that piece of paper is infused in, with the divine spark, the same divine spark that created each and every one of us. And thus, it's now holy. They're very specific. There are very specific ways for disposing of anything with the name of Yahweh on it. To say, God bless you, in whatever form you're saying it, is an intimate act between the speaker and the person receiving it. It's an intimate act between the speaker and God, along with the recipient and God. There's also the risk of evoking God's name without recognizing and naming the blessings God has already placed in our lives, corporately and individually. Evoking God's name with vanity or emptiness or in a manner that will do harm to someone else. People, groups of people, nations. That's contrary to what God said to Moses in our third commandment. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God for, the God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses God's name. The power of God's blessing should never be used for personal or political advantage over another person or group of people. Jesus never said, God bless America, or for the context of his time, God bless Rome. 
Because while overlooking our blessings and theirs, ignoring the fullness of what God is doing and what God was doing, God had already given a blessing and was continuing to do so. God has blessed us. But there are some ways and cases where we are lacking. We haven't reached the inner harmony, the same harmony that Jacob lacked in order to fully realize and live into what God has given us. On a day like today, with the events that are going to happen across the river in D.C. and the events that are being remembered in Charlottesville, we are reminded of our nation's corporate lack of spiritual harmony and unity. And so on days like this, we pray, God, thank you for blessing our nation. Please give us the inner harmony necessary to fully live into what you have given us as we work to eliminate intolerance and hate and as we work to truly live into Christ's command to love one another. Thanks be to God. Amen.